Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santa, joined, as always, by the Andrew Luck to my Russell Wilson. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, settle the argument. Who's better? This is the, uh, the oh, hardest gotta, podcast you gotta talk I've in had a to do. Deeper voice. Dearest mother, when the moon is full, the quill has never felt heavier in my hand. Uh, and our very, oh, sorry, wrong, wrong our very own Brandon Whedon. That's right, 2012 quarterback draftee Brandon Whedon. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Orange helmet legend Brandon Whedon. If you can tell me what teams he played for, Cowboys. You Oklahoma know. State. False. Browns. He never technically played. Oklahoma State, it. also the Cowboys. He Dude, just he definitely, suited up he and the was Browns. on the field. He played for Tennessee. Yeah, he appeared in nine games for the Dallas Cowboys, Eric, starting four of them. <laughs> so. How do you appear in nine as a quarterback and only start four? Uh, I rest my case. He'd be bad. He was Tony Romo's backup, and Tony Romo gets injured a lot. All right, who cares? Let's get let's get into the the meat and potatoes. This week, the Seahawks uh, played another preseason game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And the thing about this really quickly, game, I appreciate how you're wearing your Tim Duncan, who's also retired, shirt in commemoration of Andrew Luck. Yeah, well, good show of solidarity there. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck assume, will soon be a coach for our team, just the same way Tim Duncan is a coach for the Spurs now. So, <laughs> um, I thought, what better way to do it than the way we've just been doing it before? Let's go through position by position. Talk about who we think is going to make the team. Try to cut down to fifty-three guys. Be the be the GM. We'll be the GM again. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's talk about Andrew Luck because it's the big story of the week. Uh, a lot of people are talking about it, and a lot of people are talking about it in the context of the Seahawks because it's been a long-standing debate: who is the more talented quarterback, Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck? Um, I in jest said, now can I say Russell Wilson is clearly better than Andrew Luck? But it it's a point now. So um, let's just talk about Andrew Luck. What what are you guys going to remember about the Andrew Luck era, Eric? Um, this sounds terrible. I kind of want to remember him as the guy who wasn't Russell Wilson. The guy who was hyped up, who was really good. He was uh, the replacement for Peyton Manning, don't forget. They traded Peyton Manning so they could have Andrew Luck. This is the guy that was supposed to be the best player in the draft, and there was always this discussion. Is, is Russell Wilson better than Andrew Luck? Because Andrew Luck's always injured, but... Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl, and uh, that's really how I'm going to remember him. He's fine. Uh, he was a very good quarterback. He looked like a werewolf at times. Watching him was entertaining. His banter with Richard Sherman when they played together, uh, I'm sorry, when they played opposite each other after going to Stanford together was really entertaining. I like Andrew Luck, but I'm going to remember him as the guy who was not as good as Russell Wilson. Yeah, and another thing about Andrew Luck for me uh, personally is that he peaked really early that comeback against Kansas City will always be the the greatest moment of his career and he never was able to like fully reach those heights again which is kind of sad because that was that, that kind of put him on the map that's the, the reason I think so many people think he's so great is that comeback is one of the most incredible comebacks in NFL history they were 28 points down and he brought them roaring back all the way and it, and it was a really great performance and so yeah, it, it sucks that he was never able to, to get a shot to reach those lofty heights again. Because a lot of people, I think, felt like this was the year. This was the year where the, he was going to get a chance to do that and not get deflate-gated by uh, New England this time. Yeah, and for me, I feel like this his career is a lesson in what happens when a bad GM is given a really long leash to keep a underperforming coach. And you end up wasting the prime of a quarterback and pushing them out of the league. Andrew Luck should have probably another five years in the league, but he got Gregson out the way out of the league, and it's really unfortunate. Um, and the way that the crowd reacted 
was kind of the sad cherry on top of the poop sandwich. Yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it. Because it's a shame that somebody who uh, sacrificed their career when he wasn't getting a team put it's around a, him it's was a, booed off the field. It's an emotional reaction in a in a weird moment. I don't think that it, we you can judge them too strongly. I'm not going to condemn the uh, city. I'm just saying it's an unfortunate incident. Yeah, it's, I think that's a very sad note for his career to end on. It's more it's more shitty than than actually like insidious. I think because um, you know what people have they should respect Andrew Luck in his career, but they have a right to be frustrated that it happened kind of the way it did. That three weeks into the preseason, they had to learn that they're. MVP level quarterback is now not playing for their team. I just want to know how this like I read a story today on how it went down how the announcement went down but I don't know why he waited this long what the I think he thought he might be able to rehab it. Yeah he he said that Is he going to be out all year? In an interview this offseason he said something like this this is not a direct quote but he basically said like I keep rehabbing and I keep coming back and if I ever start rehabbing and I don't feel like I can come all the way back and I'm not going to be able to play at the best level I can play, I'm likely to walk away and he did just that. So yeah. it's not it's not particularly surprising. This has always been kind of his mentality. He, the, he's been on that treadmill, you know, like get hurt, rehab, grind, get hurt. It's the same treadmill Doug was on and I think Doug was also done with that treadmill. Doug had decided, you know what, this is enough of this for me. I'm going to just hang it up as opposed to keep riding this treadmill of, you know, being injured. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think in general it was just a good decision on his part. He's got to do what he's got to do. Now, here's the take everyone who listens to this podcast has been waiting for. Eric Ronnebeck, yeah. you have the floor for two minutes. No. Seattle Dragons. <laughs> All right, Eric. <laughs> no, no, the no. The floor is yours. What do you, the floor is, what uh, do you think about Seattle Dragons? Uh, for, those, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, uh, Seattle Dragons is the XFL football team that we're going to be rewarded with. I believe in 2020. Oh, man. You really want me to go off on the XFL Dragons. Uh, I think it's a terrible name for a franchise. I think our colors are probably what, what? black, green, and some sort of red, which is great if you're creating a team in Madden. Wait, it, it looks like a Madden create a logo. You know, it's yes, like, it's 100%. Total. And, the, and it, what does Dragons have to do with Seattle? I think the Tiburones were taken. I think... <laughs> Ooh, deep Madden cut. I love it, Kevin. Uh, what's it have to do with Seattle? Well, uh, you know, did if you anyone's watch watched the, Reign of Fire, it's watch, possible. That did you watch the hype video, Seattle? Eric, where the dragons were like flying through Seattle? Okay, so it keeps coming up as an ad on Instagram. And as soon as I see the dragons, I'm like, nope, 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 get out of here. I'm not watching it. I refuse. <laughs> Why do they have a cross promotion with Imagine Dragons? For anyone who's wondering, I will be getting a jersey when they go on clearance in three years. Yeah, when the, when the league folds. Yep. All right, That's uh, right. Eric's gonna be walking around with a Seattle Dragons. He hate me jersey. He hate me. <laughs> final final Seahawks talk topic. Uh, we got I think we got to touch it. Is the Jadavian Clowney trade rumors continue to swirl around Seahawks? Um, today, Cable Thanos had the very funny tweet. Look who I saw at the airport, and it was just like the shittiest Photoshop of Jadavian Clowney <laughs> in like just in a football uniform and helmet <laughs> in the in the airport, which is pretty pretty Breaking funny news. Um, Here's he, did, a, he did come out and say today, uh, the, the news is that he would prefer to go to the Eagles or the Seahawks. Yes, correct. Um, would Jadavian Clowney be an, a good, a positive addition to the Seahawks defensive end rotation? I cannot say no to that question. The answer to that is unequivocally yes. Do I want to give up a ton of resources to get him? That is a tougher question to answer. Um, if the price to get Jadavian Clowney is like a second round pick in Rashad Penny, I can probably be talked into that. 
You know, that's the level where I'm kind of operating at. And my, some people might think, well, you're giving up a first and a second rounder. That's a sunk cost at this point. No one on earth thinks Rashad Penny is worth a first rounder at this point. I'm second, third rounder, maybe. That's kind of where I'm at with Rashad Penny's value. You know, he still has some upside. He's got some potential. He looks really good. But for me, it's just, it's, it's, he's not a perfect fit. He likes to stand up and play right outside linebacker. Um, so he's not a perfect fit for our system. He does do really good against the run in the pass. So he's, I don't think he'll have mighty struggles if, he, if we force him to put his hand on the ground, but there will be an adjustment period. And you can't take the 29 million we have in cap room right now with you. You can't roll it over. And I don't think there's a ton of guys other than Jaron Reed that need to get paid. So if this is how they decide to spend their money, if they were like, hey, we basically traded Frank Clark for Jadavian Clowney and a third rounder. Yeah, I do that trade nine, 10 out of 10 times. That's a that's a good trade. So if we're not giving up a first round pick, I'm into it. Jadavian Clowney has been pretty consistent the last three years. 63 pressures, 64 pressures, 58 pressures. Been pretty consistent the last three years. 41 run stops, 40 run stops, 38 run stops. He plays across from one of the best defensive ends in the world, which makes me wonder how he'll be without him. He's pretty slight. He's 255 to 270 pounds, depending on, you know, where you look. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, he's going to make us better and get him in the rotation. This will allow us to rotate, guys, which the Seahawks love to do. If Jamie Clowney plays 50 to 60% of our snaps, I think that's a, a good use of our time. And if as long as we don't have to give a first-rounder to do it, I'm A-OK with it. All right. I what legitimately think at that point we'd have to switch to a 3-4. I would want to. Our personnel to. will be better for that. Our personnel right now almost seems like it's good for a 3-4 with Barton and Kendricks and KJ. And then now you bring in, now you bring in another guy who I feel like – Clowney, who would really like to stand up and play on the outside. Plus, we have Jacob and Barkevius to both rush the passer as a stand-up linebacker. I think that if you do bring in Clowney, you do probably want to incorporate more 3-4 looks. And they have the interior talent to pull it off, too. Puna Ford looks excellent. Jaron Reed looks excellent. And then you just need Ziggy Anza or Al Woods, Ziggy Ziggy Woods to, hold, to hold their own in that third spot. Rasheem Green can handle. No, no problem with that. The and thing, and in a three, four. The thing about the Seahawks, I think, that's going to happen this year, if they do pick up Clowney, it really points to me that they're going to mix up their fronts. We're not going to see base 4-3 or base 4 with two linebackers on every single play like we used to with the Seahawks. The front's going to look different so that they can bring the pressure from different angles, different guys coming in, different guys dropping back into coverage, really mixing up those pressures. And, and we've seen that in the preseason, too. Mm-hmm. They've been bringing different guys. So I think... A lot Clown- of nickel blitzes, a lot of interesting looks with uh, mixing ends and linebackers and ends dropping into coverage with linebackers rushing yeah. and vice versa. Picking up a guy like Clowney who is... More slight than Cliff Averill. A lot of people have said Clowney's just like Cliff Averill. Clowney is more slight than he's smaller than Cliff Averill because he's taller. He's about the he's a similar yeah. weight, but he's taller. Well, he's, he's, like, he's like ten pounds lighter, and and also he's a wee like bit slender, yeah, two inches taller. So he's just he's slighter. But Pring and Clowney would be a sign that they're willing to do that, and they are willing to have a guy stand up and rush on third down. They've shown that for years. For years, we've seen the, the Leo the Leo end of Bruce Irvin or. Jacob Martin last year. Those guys sometimes get to stand up or or put their hand down. You, the deep, the offense doesn't know. And disguising your pass rush is a good way to create pressure because guys have guys have to communicate really well to pass off the guys who are actually rushing and hit their assignments and make sure that no one slips through uncovered. But realistically, what is Houston going to ask for? That's the question. That Houston's I think, a little bit over a barrel right now. That makes it a little interesting. 
Because yeah, Jadavian Clowney is basically, he said, I'm, I'm not playing next year unless you give me a full contract. And Houston doesn't really have the ability to do that and save room to, Desha- and to they resign have a Deshaun ton Watson. of needs, yeah. yeah they, and they, they really need offensive linemen, too. Now, if we could do it like where we give up a tackle, like we give up a Fetty and, and a second, I'd also be into that. I'd be fine with that. And we've traded with Houston before. So we know that... And that worked out really well. Except so for Jeremy Lane. It's Jeremy Lane's fault. It's not Houston's yeah, I know. fault. I'm suggesting we do uh, a Fetty and a second for Clowney. And would you like, be fine if it was Penny instead of a Fetty? Would you be fine with that too? I would rather it be a. Fetty. I understand you'd I'm rather not sure it be, about but, Club Penny. but like I know you're the biggest Penny fan in this room. I think so. Like you'd have the hardest time with that. Like at the end of the day, push comes to shove. John Schneider looks at you and says, "Kevin, I need you to make a choice: Penny and a second for Jadavian Clowney." What do you What do you say? Do you tell much, him to pull the trigger. How much do you think Clowney buys us? Do you think with Clowney we're uh, an NFC Championship game team? I think we're top five defense. I would agree. The, the front seven is is pretty insane. I mean, I we're will, a cornerback light of being the best defense in the league. Like, we probably need one more really good cornerback. But the safety rotation is going to be excellent. The the in the front seven is otherworldly. If we have Jadavian Clowney, I would agree. And it and it has it's deep too. Like we can go too deep at almost every position with Clowney. So yeah, I mean, I I would say yeah, we're top five defense and we're in, we're competing for the Super Bowl now. This is a team that wow, you really think competing for Super Bowl? I think. I really I, think this team is close. Like they're on the they're on, right now they're on the kind of the periphery. They're like the fifth or sixth best team. This would bump us up to second or third for me. When it wow. comes to pass rushers, it's kind of like wide receivers. If you get a guy who slots in as a top tier wide receiver, it kind of lets everybody else fall into their different jobs. Getting a guy like Jadeveon Clowney to go with Ziggy Ansah gives us top tier pass rushers or maybe not top tier but second tier pass rushers that'll allow guys like Barkavius Mingo and uh, Rasheem Green, Jaron Reed, Puna Ford to be more effective in their pass rush it allows because LJ, it forces the quarterback to move around in the pocket in ways that are advantageous to It allows LJ Collier to just develop as a 3-4 defenseman or 4-3 defenseman however they want to do. It allows him to just to develop as opposed to right now we need him to come back from injury as soon as possible to get in the rotation. Yes, I pulled the trigger on that trade. Yeah. I don't feel great about it. But if I we had it. a Fetty, I think they might, I think they might be, be getting that. away with something. They need, a, they need a running back to, to pair up with Duke Johnson, so I think they might be into that too. And I always forget how young Genevieve Clowney is Yeah, because he had such uh, health issues at the beginning. He's not even 27 years old right now. Yeah, I mean, he was the number one overall selection for a reason. The first year was tough, and he had the injuries. And ever since then, he's just really picked it up. The second year was not the best, but then from that point forward, he has been consistently pretty excellent. I, I just the key for me is don't give up too much. I don't mark don't mortgage the next year. I don't want to give up a first. I'll give up a second because we have two seconds. Next year's draft could be really special for the Seahawks the way that that's lining up. And I don't want to give up a bunch of draft assets because this team is a playoff caliber team or borderline playoff caliber team right now without any more moves. And I don't want to give up a bunch of our draft assets and mortgage the future because this has already happened to us twice and it definitely stunted our development. Jimmy Graham trade, Percy Arvin trade. I think we could both agree, all agree, those are both pretty much failures. In yeah. Yes. They, they both burned first round picks and did not work out for us. I would prefer if we did not burn our first round pick on this. Um, a lot of people say like this team can't draft in the first round. Well, we don't know for sure because they gave up their first round pick so many times to get these guys. And if you count Percy Harvin and Jimmy Graham as draft picks, then I agree. They do not <laughs> draft in the first round because those guys were both kind of failures as first round draft picks. Graham was up and down. He had some good stretches, but Percy Harvin well, overall, sucks. We didn't I don't know if you heard, guys heard. Speaking of Percy Harvin, tweeted today. XFL? Uh, no, I tweeted yesterday. Uh, I'm I'm out of retirement. I'm ready to play. I'm not shitting you. I'm telling the oh, truth. Yeah, you're the right, Kevin. Seattle XFL. Dragon Zone. 
Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. No, he wants to play in the in the league, dude. He said, "I'm ready for any team that's willing to give me a chance and needs me." Well, that's nobody. So uh, who has? Well, what team is? Uh, Buffalo has his. What rights. team is that stupid player that the Rams used to have on? Uh, what's the, that's that guy's name? Oh, uh, uh, Austin. The, the bad. The 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 yeah. other Percy Harvin. Oh, uh, Terrell. Or yeah, Austin. Yeah, the, for the wide receiver out of Baylor. Yeah, yeah. That, um, he's on the. Is he on the Cowboys still? No, Tavon Austin. I didn't think he was on the Austin. Tavon Austin. I didn't think he was on the Cowboys anymore. Tavon Austin is on the Cowboys. Really? How about them Cowboys? Gross. How many How many career... Okay, Tavon Austin entered the league in the 2013 draft round one, pick number eight. How many <laughs> career... Yikes. How many career receiving yards do you think Tavon Austin has? Under 2,000. That is six NFL seasons. It's uh, under 2,000. 934. 18, 19. 1,819. That is horrible. That's yeah. more than I thought he had, really. Um, that's yeah, he, not good. His entire career total is one decent uh, Jerry Rice season. Exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that about covers it. Wouldn't you uh, agree? We covered that topic I think we're good. sufficiently. We've talked about the XFL Dragons. It's time to get into positional battles. Let's start in the <laughs> offense with the quarterbacks. Russell Wilson comes out and then plays the first team today in this game and looks quite Sharp. I was very pleased with Russell Wilson. He went six for nine, 73 yards. Nice. Um, he had two nice scrambles. Yeah. I, I thought Russell Wilson played really good. Also got, got going on some designed runs, which I really appreciate. I think that putting that stuff on tape is going to really make a difference next year. He had um, four, you know, four-yard rushes, a designed run, and then 27 scrambled yards. Uh, yeah, I thought great performance from Russ really showed he's ready for the season. Uh, do you guys have any worries about Russell at all? Uh, no, and what I was going to say is I also appreciated the way that he was util- being utilized in the run game uh, were super low risk, high payoff. It was a lot of designs where, like, it was an RPO. He was reading, it was like a there were two receiver reads, or he could scramble out for, like, a really safe six yards by the sideline, and those are smart runs. Yeah, and then the... Uh... Uh, I thought he looked dialed in. Um, I don't want to say, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I feel like he looks more dialed in than he has in the last few years. And then the rest of the game was handled by Geno Smith, Paxton Lynch nursing concussion, JT Barrett still learning the uh, the ways of the squad. Uh, so Geno Smith plays 22, he has 22 passing attempts. Um, and the thing that really worried me is that he was, no, without pressure, he went 10 for 16 with 6.4 yards per attempt and missed three shots downfield, basically, and really did not throw any passes over 10 yards. It really makes me feel like if Geno Smith is our quarterback this year, um, it will be really gross because he does not throw downfield well. Um, he misses when he when he tries to go downfield, and he is just he's just really inaccurate. He's like budget Russell Wilson. Um, My write up in is, the worst possible way. I'll just I'll just write what I wrote after after the game. Uh, Geno Smith looked more decisive, but I wouldn't say it felt like he ran away with the job. No matter which, if he or Lynch is the backup QB, we're pretty screwed if Russ goes down, so whatever. Yeah, He had eight first downs, he completed 60% of his passes, but at less than seven yards per attempt, he was kind of like Cody Kessler that could scramble a little bit. This puts him at 0 for 5 on passes over 20 yards in the preseason. Yeah, he's, he misses downfield badly. The He had one that could have been caught. Yep. But the other two are just like clean misses, not even close. So that means that it would be like running our offense without the play action deep shots. 
which anyone who listens to the podcast or watches Seahawks football knows that if you pull the play-action deep shots out of our offense, it is dinking and dunking where you have to have like 75% accuracy on your passes in order to have any shot, and everyone's got to play close to the round of scrimmage, which is awful for our run game. It is no secret that if we lost Russell Wilson, it would be over. Best uh, case scenario, would be, we'd have to pick up maybe Colin Kaepernick. Like which six and ten. I think that ship six and is ten, seven and nine, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, gun to your head. Here we go. Paxton Lynch or Geno Smith. Ready? Eric, go. Geno Smith, you convinced me. Or Kevin. he did. Paxton Lynch. I, would I think go. that he has a li- I actually like him better as a scrambler. I, I think Geno Smith, but it's close. Geno Smith had a really good scramble in this game, like a 25-yarder. You are correct. Before um, Geno Smith, or I'm sorry, before uh, Paxton Lynch died, I thought that he looked pretty bad in that game. I don't yeah, the, think... The game I've, before, he was, re- he was pretty... Not good. I would say non-Denver no, games. I would say no backup QB has had a better stretch than Lynch's stretch in the first preseason game. Absolutely, right. yeah. So, but that was Denver. That was against his old team. I yeah. Geno Smith hasn't shown me anything great. Here we go. Let's get into the topic. So we're all we're all uh, split. We're a little split there, but you know we all agree. JT Barrett, pack your bags. Okay, <laughs> running backs and fullbacks. Nick Belor, fullback. Watch three plays. I'm. It's getting close now. He's this is two games out. in a row where I'm I so think excited. where Pete is trying to, to not to use a fullback, and he's like, eh. And then that Puna Ford video that Keith sent us from Reddit, uh, that, then I'm like, oh, Do you yeah. see Hollister lead blocking on a yeah. sweep? Hollister, Hollister yeah. got out there and lead blocking sweep, which is not – I don't think that he's the best choice for that no. even. Vanette is. And Vanette, Vanette's hurt, so he didn't play. But I think Hollister's a better choice than Ballor. Yeah. but Yes, <laughs> I agree. But, I mean – I think, that, I think that it's happening, guys. We we are going to get a, an extra roster spot to play with because of the f- lack of a fullback. So the actual running backs, though, the story of this game, C.J. Procise's <laughs> Skeletor corpse came out onto the field for six snaps, got f- or five snaps, got five rushes on those snaps for 32 yards, including 16 after contact, two first downs, and a touchdown. Here's the thing I'm going to tell every single person who watched this game. I have never one time in my life questioned CJ Procise's raw talent and ability. He has the ability to make guys miss. He is an explosive athlete, a excellent pass catcher, and a really good uh, runner in terms of vision and stuff. He returned kicks, so he has really good vision with that too. The problem with CJ Procise is that he is his bones are like Twizzlers and his tendons are graham crackers. And he has no, like, he just falls apart. He's, he's like a, he's made of sugar. He's softer than wet tissue paper. Like, this is just, this is just a fact at this point. He's never been able to stay healthy. He's made out of Chad Pennington's knee cartilage. If you're asking me right now, if ProSci stays healthy next week and has another similarly stellar kind of fun performance like that, would I keep CJ ProSci over JD McKissick? That is starting to turn into an interesting question. But McKissick didn't, didn't go down without a swing here. He had, seven carries with 14 yards after contact and didn't do too bad himself. This is the debate. I think, I think we all agree. Carson's in Carson's the guy. Penny played pretty decent in this game. He had eight rushes for 22 yards, but he had 16 yards after contact. And the team obviously really believes in him. Uh, I also thought his three catches for 15 yards. And he had those three missed tackles on that one wide receiver screen that he was on where he was lined up on the outside. They threw it to him, made the first guy miss and then kind of busted a couple arm tackles and ran in for a first down. And or, sorry, uh, yeah. And anyway. barring some kind of, like, weird injury thing, I think Travis Homer looks pretty solid mm-hmm. to make it as a, uh, you know, flexible, all-downs. Inside-outside. Uh, purpose inside-outside, catch, inside, outside, catch yeah. the guy. Yeah, play, play on any downs. Just kind of the, uh, play the Mike Davis role. I'm here to be the super backup. So the question becomes, if we're keeping four running backs, and I think we are, 
You keeping McKissick or you keeping ProSize? Now, here's the thing. You got the tantalizing talent, the, the, uh, the greatness of ProSize, but you also have the excellent consistency of McKissick year after year. Plus, he actually has the NFL kick and punt return experience, unlike ProSize, who only did it in college. Eric, make your choice. And we're assuming ProSize does not get hurt before next week, which, is a, which is a dangerous big assumption. Big assumption. <laughs> I'll just go back a little bit. You said the consistency of J.D. McKissick. Every year on this podcast, we talk about J.D. McKissick really has no place on this team. It would be nice. Isn't he more of a receiver? Mix this with the sheer electricity of C.J. Prosize. At least the uh, game three of the preseason electricity of C.J. Prosize. Because he did this last year before he got hurt again. Yeah, man. Why not? C.J. Prosize. Hey, a 15-yard reception in this game, too. Prosize showed he can catch. McKissick had two receptions, though. So McKissick, I don't, I've never hated him, and I've liked him on this team. I thought he was going to make this team this year. I'm glad he made it last year. But at the same time, I feel like he's very replaceable. Is the fact that Prosize got all of his burn with the ones maybe a little bit of a hint to where Pete sees this ideally going? I think there's some. I think there's something there. Okay, Kevin, what are you, who are you picking, McKissick or ProSize? We're talking about our fourth running back here. Correct. If I'm taking a fourth running back on the roster, I'm going for upside. And I think CJ ProSize provides more upside because we already talked about it. Carson does everything. Penny does everything, especially work in space. And what Penny showed me flexing out as a wide receiver and handling some of those interesting duties is that he can do anything that McKissick is supposedly special for doing. Which tells me that McKissick's work can easily go to Penny. I don't think we're in such serious need of a kick returner because I think Ugo Amadi provides a really good option there. Ugo Amadi looked rough though in that in He had that the role. one muffed punt, yeah, no, but that was it. But Pete Carroll is real serious about stuff like that not happening. I think, remember when... Doug Ball remember when, a couple before Remember too, when Bobby Ingram used to always go out there and just fair catch it? And yep. Doug, same thing, fair catch it every time because I think Pete really values taking care of the football more than busting Toxic a bigger differential. Turn. Yeah, he would rather you go out there, just get the, get the offense, the ball back, let them do their job. You don't need to make the play all by yourself. I think we'll have the answer to that by if he's returning punts or if he's in punt return jail next week. Yeah, That will tell us. Because notice how he also hasn't taken the ball out of the end zone when he shouldn't on yeah. kick returns. He was allowed to learn that lesson. I tend to agree with you, Kevin, that that, that you take the upside with ProSize and you, you bite the bullet. And if he gets hurt, you know... J.D. McKissick probably isn't going to get signed by anyone anyway. Or, or Bo Scarborough or, is going to be on our... Or if he does, uh, yeah. Say, is, Bo, is Bo Scarborough that, yeah, you can get that Bo, worse than J.D. McKissick? Go, go get Bo Scarborough back and or go sign Nick Ballore and have a fullback now. You know what I mean? Like Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst option, but you know, sometimes you got to do bad things. I would say in all seriousness, we'll probably have a decent running back option there. I just think we don't need a fourth running back that provides consistent production. Because we've got three running backs that can do that. So I want I want a lottery ticket with a high payout. I don't care if I cash it for zero. Prosize is, is like... When he, he's a he's, high lottery ticket. It, it was like this the, the when he played before, too. You know, he Yeah, had, bust off that big run against Philly. Right. Um, had a really good game against New England. Like, this is a dude that we know has it in him. He has the talent. That's never been the question. The question is, like, what do we do now that he's actually kind of playing again and, and get healthy? And the thing is that that was kind of incredible is that through all these injuries that he's had, he didn't look like he had lost any of the burst or the bounce or the wiggle nope. that he had before that made him, you know, in 2016 as a rookie, he had 
30 rushes for 172 yards, 5.7 yards a carry. I mean that he was he was legit and he was right back at it. So I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting case. Very excited to see where this goes. Okay, wide receivers. We got to see a lot of guys out there with the ones. We got to see got a lot of guys got a shot with the ones. The guy that impressed me the most, the guy whose stock I think raised the most in this game was John he was already Scott. someone sky high for me, but. I think that this is solidified. They are 100% making the roster. John Ursua. John Ursua looked great in this game. He had the two catches, um, both first downs, and 52 yards. And John Ursua is our, our new slot dynamo. He's the guy who we can use to push Tyler to the outside on some plays um, and put him in the slot. Uh, he has completely beaten out Keenan Reynolds for that job, who didn't appear in this game and yeah, was and nursing, that's a, nursing a nagging injury. But still, I mean, it just seems like this is his. it was his job to lose, and he... He uh, went out there and he, he won it. He won it this week. Uh, and Ursua, again, is we talked about that. Uh, good. He's got that half step in his pocket whenever he needs it. Extra and gear. You want to talk about, you're talking about your last wide receiver spot on your roster. What do you want? You want a guy who has upside. Yeah. And, and uh, Ursua, Ursua wasn't like out there, you know, he beat up on some mediocre guys. Like he, but when he got singled up on that linebacker, you just knew, like, oh, this guy, he's going to be way open. And that's the kind of thing is like a guy who exploits mismatches and finds space like that. That's the, that's very Seahawks, yep. right? That's very Seahawks wide receiver is that, oh, this is a mismatch and Russ is going to find that guy. And Ursua found the mismatch, exploited it. Russ found him. I mean, it's good, it's good stuff. Okay. Uh, the guy whose stock dropped the most, Malik Turner. Malik Turner. Had a drop, <laughs> didn't show me something again. He had the one play where he kind of got loose, but he tracked the ball really poorly when... I mean, Russ didn't throw a great ball there, but I disagree, if you look though, at the Kevin. route that Turner had, he did not have a great route. I'm going to push back on that. Okay. Lee Turner's stock did drop a lot, but it didn't drop more than Amara Darbo, who literally is not on the team anymore <laughs> uh, because he played say, so bad in this Amara game. Amara Darbo's How can you drop stock where he had no stock? Zero. Yeah. But but I mean it wasn't zero. Obviously, we still had him on the team. I think I think that was just a uh, rounding error. It's kind of like uh, we cut Darbo and we brought in two more receivers today. Those two guys are probably not making the roster. Probably being very kind. I it's just but more bodies still more likely than Mar yeah. Darbo. Yeah, <laughs> but Mar Darbo, you had to bring him back, kick the tires on him again. There's obviously something that people like. It's like the raw athleticism, but the guy just can't. Yeah. Jaron Brown. Jaron Brown's still good. Still good. Had a nice catch in this game. Uh, so JB's roster spot solid. They said they're saving a roster spot for David Moore. Tyler Lockett's 100% to make it. Ursua's about 100% to make it. They're definitely going to save a rest, rest, roster spot for DK and Metcalf, which means we've got five wide receivers there already. The Seahawks always keep five or six at this position. I think we're keeping I, six. I six. suspect that the extra spot we gained by not keeping a fullback will be used here. And it will be used to keep Gary Jennings. Absolutely. Um, We're looking at Metcalf, Brown, Lockett, Moore, Jennings, and Ursua. Is yeah, and it's kind of yeah. Jennings versus uh, Jazz Ferguson and uh, Malik Turner and a bunch of guys. But I think that Jennings, at least in practice and based on the draft, the, the practice reports are always really glowing for Jennings. He dominated this practice. He was so good. And, you know, we only get to see the, the three preseason games. We don't get to see every practice. Jennings and, showed promise in the first game. I just feel like the balls that came to him were overthrown or underthrown uh, i like gary jennings as a as a very profitable member of this receiving core maybe it's just not going to happen this year though yeah, I developmental think he's project a lot of, yes i was about to say i think he has um a lot of growth he's a guy that you remember i think it was paul richardson um he had like a little bit of a nagging injury issue but the big thing was it was like week nine or ten and blew of up. his first full season suddenly he was a downfield threat and he only got like four targets a game, but they were really high leverage targets. 
this is like a weird position group to me because those six guys that we've mentioned, I actually have like a decent amount of confidence in. I think they're all pretty good. And so it's in a weird position where like I, it's going to be weird to see how the playing time shakes out throughout the whole year. Because if they're all healthy, I don't know which guys play the most. I have no idea. I only got some confident about our JB and Tyler Lockett are going to get a lot of run. But yeah. then who's going to get all the snaps behind them or in, in lieu of them? That's more difficult for me to predict. I, think like, oh, I was going to say, I guess we have, you know, David Moore has a hairline fracture. Uh, he's not going to be placed on IR. But yeah, ready by week two is something. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to say that's, DK's I don't know, man. prone to nagging injuries, it just seems. He's I feel one like of those people that has a really athletic body, but it's like a Porsche. He's in the shop a lot. Yeah, we may have a time where we have a guy out for four games and we need to sign someone else. Um, or, you know, maybe that's when Gary Jennings comes along. But this is definitely six people. I think the six names are decided. Jazz Ferguson will go on the practice squad for all you Ferguson truthers. So it looks like Dixon is going to make the practice squad. Or, I mean, sorry, IR. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. So that leaves, uh, we got three spots for Vinette. Whit Disley, Hollister, and Saxton. Um, so it's kind of comes down to I think Vanette and Vinette, Vinette, Hollister, Disley. Vanette and D- Disley are solid. Hollister played really good in this game, and I think took that spot from Saxton pretty definitively. I think that if there was a camp battle there, it's basically over at this point. Um, Hollister looked pretty good. I thought he had the the three catches, two first downs. Hollister um, looks like just know, a solid knows. tight end. I love it when they move the chains. Mm-hmm. I love it when they move the chains. So um, yeah, that's it was good. I, overall, I felt really good about the offense, the way they mixed it up. They moved the ball really well against a defense that I think doesn't suck. Um, yes, they don't have Derwin James, who is probably their second best or best player, but they still have a lot of really talented players. Joey Bosa, um, Melvin Ingrams, you know, guys that are real NFL players. Their cornerbacks are good. Desmond King's good. They got good players. I'll say it. I tweeted it out, but last year I felt like I was on the shoddy truther uh, island all by myself for a good portion of the season and I feel like the preseason has been a little bit of a payoff of that if you look at the way that the offense was run the way that we used the run to complement the pass the pass was clearly what we were keying everything around though and the types of passes we were doing if you you'll see that the dump off passes were to players who were schemed into space so you didn't have a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, or if they were behind the line of scrimmage, it was uh, with momentum to go forward. You saw, they call them like a sneak route, where you had kind of a receiver in motion, and they were going out of almost a wing T formation. It was, I want to say the first couple drives of the third quarter, Geno Smith threw a couple of routes. One of them went to Ursua for a really long game down the sideline, and then they did the exact same play to Jennings. And they did the same play to one of the tight ends, but it didn't really work as well uh, on three separate passing plays in that drive. These opportunistic, it's kind of like RPO modern uh, spread offense meets West Coast concepts. So we're converting some of our run plays into short passes. And I think it's really utilizing what Russ does well, Um. which is... He's able to make reads, his legs can keep the defenders honest, and he can deliver an accurate ball in space so a player can take off on the run. Starting starting uh, offensive line. I thought the starting offensive line looked excellent. Uh, Posich had a great game. Posich, yeah. Fluker, <laughs> Britt, Brown, uh, and, and Nefeti, I thought played really well together. felt really good to see something that we lamented for so long tongue together in a way that 
you know, yeah, they, we've they kind of been waiting for. Shockingly did not suck. They played a lot, too. They all played, I think, at least 30 snaps, I think, except for Brown. I, played. I was about to say, I think Britt played a couple less, too, right? Britt played 30. Brown played 28. So, yeah, they okay. all played at least 30 snaps together. Then Hunt came in, and then um, then came the, uh, the the disaster show. Um, Landon, uh, Landon Burner Turner did all right. Landon Turner is okay. I, I was about to say that, but the he functional player. He beat up on Scrubs. I'll say this: if the choice is between him and Jordan Roos and uh, and Marcus Martin, yeah, I could yeah, see, I could see you, I could see you moving in, in that how, direction. Wait, real quick, how many are we keeping? You guys think we're keeping nine offensive line? Not ten. I really wanted the dream of ten. Before the season, so ten. Here's the thing: the tenth guy is Joey Hunt. So it really depends on yeah. how you feel. Um, so you have Dwayne Brown, Eopati, Britt, Fluker, Effetti, Fant. Those six are in. P- Postage is in. That's Postage seven. In. Yep. Okay. So now you're now you're choosing two more guys we between have, uh, Jones, Turner, Hunt, Simmons, Simmons, and Martin. Yeah, and then beefy boy Phil Haynes is going to come gonna, up at some point. Yeah. and take one of those jobs. Uh, you could pick Elijah and Kansa if you want, Kevin. Nobody's going to pick Elijah and Kansa. I was uh, Elijah and Kansa's mom wouldn't pick him to make. He had another rough, rough day, dude. Yeah, that, he had a rough day, but days he has. It, it looks so much better than the last game, but still sure? bad. Yeah, I mean that's that's how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah he still allowed the team in pressures. He allowed three. He had a game like Buzz's girlfriend. Woof, <laughs> woof. Um, okay, the. Yeah, I would say Inconsa is pretty much out. Uh, Martin Martin seems like he's not going to make it. Although, they keep playing him out of position. So, it's possible to me that Martin makes it as like a backup guard center. And, so you know, we're like, why did he make it? But it's because we've been playing him at tackle to try to fill the space. I feel like if Martin and Posich make it, then Hunt probably doesn't. If we're keeping Hunt as the backup center, then the position flexibility of Martin is less valuable. Okay, and I got to talk about Brian Walls. Okay, just for a second. I know he didn't like, he didn't appear in this game, did he? Uh, no. No. And there's a reason, okay? I watched Brian Wallace's tape, and I have to say, like, I we signed him, and it was like, and I read the dra- draft profile, and it was like, athletic draft profile was the was the was one of the top tackles coming out of high school, and I was like, okay, maybe this guy's tape is, is pretty decent. Maybe he had, like, an injury problem or something. So I watched Arkansas against Auburn. I watched the whole offense, all the offensive snaps from the game, and I would say that this was, like, some of the most harrowing tape for a single player i've ever watched and i've scouted a lot of dudes for this podcast it was rough dude there was plays where he just got thrown around like a little kid and i and he's huge this guy is a large human it's because and it's because he has like terrible technique trash yeah he's feet arms so everything nothing is good it's uh it's it's tough to watch and i can see why they didn't throw him to the wolves in this game because even against third stringers i think he would have got ragdolled around it would have been Worse than in Kansa, not close. So uh, there, that's my review of that guy too. If you want to know the reason, so okay. So the question is nine or ten. Eric, what are you going nine or ten? I guess we're going nine. It makes going, more sense. Although nine. I guess who's your who's your out then? Are you so you're going Postage? Then you're gonna go what? Uh, Simmons and Hunt. You're gonna go. So I go back Mar- to my list. Martin and Simmons. Jones. Jamarco Jones. Uh, Jamarco Jones. I I think he's in. Uh, Landon Turner is interesting. I'd like to see more Landon Turner. But I don't think he's going to make the team. See, the thing is, we we probably have to keep another tackle, which makes me think Jamarco's got a really That's good shot. I'm thinking it's it. Jones and it Hunt. It has to be Jones. I really don't want to say Hunt, Kevin. The only thing is, they, if it isn't Jones, it's not. He's not like Jordan Roos bad, but I'm just not a. Jordan's a little bit of a gamer, though. You know, like he's a veteran. About, the about problem po- is that Hunt only plays center. You cannot put him at guard. Postage and Martin both seem like they can play guard and center. So and if you keep Postage and Martin, even though Martin hasn't like performed up to my expectations as a right tackle. 
I still think there's potential there at guard and center, and he showed that kind of over the course of last preseason as well. Also, Simmons can flex out to play a little bit of tackle. Yeah. And so there's some flexibility there. So Simmons could play a little bit of tackle. Barton could play a little bit of center. Postage could play a little bit of center. So if we were to keep Turner, we'd still have flexibility there. One final point about the position group. This seems like the position the Seahawks would target in the guy gets cut and we trade a seventh rounder, or guy's going to get cut and we trade a seventh rounder for him. To get that last depth guy, this is the this really seems like a position the Seahawks would do that at. Kevin and I had a really good conversation on the way home about what would you trade to the uh, Redskins for uh, Trent Williams. And I unfortunately they want the farm. Yeah, yeah they want two that's first rounders. What sucks. I think that that's the rare player I'd give up a first rounder for because is ter- in terms so of good. fit and. He plays right tackle. We just slot him in. Two great tackles. The thing I would love to give up is to give up like Jermaine in a second rounder. That's right? that's ideal. That's what me and Kevin said. But yep. but I don't know if the I don't know if they even care about Jermaine Effetti. And I don't really want to bench Effetti either because I feel like he's come so far in his development. And at this point, at this rate, he's either going to be on the team. I kind of I kind of want to like shit or get off the pot. Yeah, you, know you can't I mean? I you wanna, can't just stash that guy. At this I don't want to stash him. He's in his last year of his contract. There's I no could point. legitimately see Effetti getting dealt at the deadline to be able to keep Jones. So you keep Jones as the bench player, you start Fant, and Effetti gets dealt. I really like Fant, too. He's he's really come a long way. Oh, I, yeah. That first game was was rough, and they threw him to the Wolves. Okay, that's offense. You guys ready for a little little D, defense? Yeah. yeah. All right, the Seahawks defense. Who is your who is your star in this game, Kevin? My defensive star? Yeah. That's a little bit hard. It was a weird defensive game. Uh, players that you expect to do really well didn't necessarily do well. We had... Uh, KJ and Bobby, um, I don't know what they were doing. It was a really weird game from them, for sure. They, I would say... They played 20-something snaps together, and they gave up like a bunch of passes in the middle of the field. Uh, I think Ugo stood out a little bit. I think Austin Kalitro did well against the third stringers. But I want to heap a little praise on Shaquille Griffin. Okay. I was Shaquille Griffin was on the towards the top of my list. That pass breakup was pretty sweet. I thought the pass breakup looked good. I thought he played tight coverage against difficult receivers to play on. And... Even though it was their second-string quarterback, Tyrod Taylor is a top 35 quarterback in the NFL. He's a starting caliber quarterback. And to see uh, Shaquille Griffin play well against a good receiving core with a quality quarterback throwing to him was very encouraging. I thought it was his best coverage game. I'm going to give it up for my dude Al Woods. Played 14 snaps, only rushed the passer three times, but got home two of them. Two, two hurries on three pass rushes i would say two big pressures because everything he does is big al woods al woods is quickly becoming my uh, my dude where like last year my dude what or two years ago my dude was was uh brad and i was like i I tried to get first i'm trying to get first on the al woods hype train because al woods is a a dude and yeah he's not going to get a a ton a ton of snaps especially once jaron comes back because puna ford is excellent and but Jared Reed like 30, is excellent, but I think he, no, I think he's gonna be higher than that. I think that's, he's gonna that's a quality high, snaps, forty to fifty percent, and he's gonna be really, really good in the in this in this defense. I'm really excited about Al Woods. I'm starting the Al Woods hype train. All aboard! You know Eric. what we need to do? We no. need to teach him how to do the Brandon Mabain belly Ooh. shovel. Oh yeah, for sure. Then that. he'd be my favorite. Eric, do you have a defensive star for this? Yeah, game? I mean, I like the Ugo Mati continues to impress. Shaq Griffin, like Kevin said, was. Uh, Man, I, I just want that consistency. Play, play thirty snaps, never gave up, never gave up a pass. I'm going to. I just want game to game consistency with him. I'm going to go with a guy who I think is going to make this roster. It's not like he was a, a great plus player, but that is a uh, Bracavius Mingo, a guy who last year was not uh, a guy who probably shouldn't have been on the team. He really had no role. 
this year I feel like he's settling into his role. I don't know if we're going to use him the way we're doing in the preseason during the regular season. Maybe. Hopefully we will. But this is a guy who's at least applying pressure. He knows what he's doing out there when he's not asked to defend the run all the time. So, yeah, he played he played 17 snaps, mostly on third downs. Yep. They rushed him 12 times, and they dropped him into coverage three times, including and he got targeted once. Which he he wrapped that shit up yes. in the backfield. It was nice. That was a beautiful. I feel play. like I I was like very 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 happy about that play because I was like that's the thing I'm afraid about Barkevius is that when he's in coverage it was that's always kind of yeah, the question. And he's read his screen really well. I I think this may be a guy who maybe just had to fit into our defense for a little bit. And I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but he's a guy who kind of showed me he will make this team. Watch mm-hmm. him get cut now. All right, but, so so let's get into it. Cuts and cuts and keeps. Here we go. We got. The, the front part of the defense, the defensive line. Okay, we're going to say Collier's safe, Puna's safe, Cassius is safe. I think Al Woods is safe at this point, so that's four. Ziggy Ansah's pretty safe. Okay, Rasheem Green's pretty safe. Jaron Reed's pretty safe. That's eight. Okay, Jaron gets to start the lease, the year off on kind of on a, another list. So maybe we can keep nine, two more guys here. So you, you got to choose Earl Mitchell, Jamie Mater, Quentin Jefferson, Brandon Jackson. Um, JT Tilly, you're not picking that. I think we're keeping 10. So you think basically all those guys are going to make it? I think we're keeping Collier, Green, uh, Mingo, Ansa, Martin, uh, Marsh, Ford, Woods, Monet, and Metter. See, I think we're keeping Earl Mitchell instead of Brian Monet. That's that's my position. I'm on Mitchell instead Earl, of... Earl Mitchell hasn't hasn't played good, but he's not played Monet bad. Monet kind of bugged me... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, who's the other guy you said? Not Monet, Kevin. Matt. Jamie Meter. Matt. Monet didn't Meter play is, in this game. Yeah, Nathan, you were big on Meter uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Where are you at now? Um, you still like him? Played 10 snaps in this game, got a run stop. Like, I I don't know. He's, he's fine. I feel like he's a body at this point. He's, I um, feel like he's the guy we're keeping that we can cut when Reed comes back. He does a really? thing. Okay. He's pretty decent. Like, he's he can fill the good. space. He's... He's not going to kill you on any individual play. Do you know who he reminds me of? I'm going to say this again. He reminds me of like a slightly worse Shamar Steven. Like just a guy who can do it all at an acceptable level. Isn't have like a real great talent for anything. So he's never going to jump out, out off the score sheet like the way Puna does when he gets like six run stops or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. That'll happen this year. Uh, or the way um, Barkevius is going to get like a bunch of pressures. Another thing is this. Is, um, this I, is another spot where we might be able to pick up like more of a Clinton McDonald and then Bar- or a branch level player oh, God. that gets cut at the end. Who's the guy who got cut today? Another thing is, Kevin, I think maybe Earl Mitchell doesn't make it because Mingo maybe counts in this position group or Mark, Jacob Martin. Like the, Those guys... Also, kind of got to be counted against the the number here. Yeah, that's they counted bit. my ten. Okay. When, I a, said, when I said ten, that that included Martin and Minko. Who did yeah. Patriots sign in the offseason? They gave some money to. They just they cut him today. Damn it, I can't I can't remember his name. Yeah, whatever. Let's get to linebackers. Okay, <laughs> I think Burkirvan has really solided up on special teams. Looks like he's cleared his path to the team as a plus special teamer and uh, quality depth. Uh, Barton had a little bit of a rough go out there. Um, looked indecisive. Got to play a lot at the beginning of the game with the. With the uh, with the with the big boys, our whole linebacking core looked bad. That but time, though. I, but yeah, I think they they were. I don't know if they were trying things or what, but there was a lot of passes given up over the middle of the field. If you look at Barton, uh, KJ, and uh, Bobby. Bobby together, they gave up. Uh, they were they were targeted eight times. They gave up six passes for like ninety yards. So that's or seventy yards. I'm, that's I'm not, unacceptable. I'm bad at math, but that's yeah. still really bad. Um, they gave up several first downs. So yeah, it's just. You can't do that. That's that's not good. That being said, I mean, we're not keeping six linebackers, are we? Um, okay, so let's see. For Kirvin, Michael Kendricks, Cody Barton, Bobby Wagner, KJ. That's five. 
then the question becomes Calitro and Quim. Um, I think the team still really likes Quim. I think Calitro has played really good in this preseason. I'm not crazy about him. And this this week he kind of beat up on bad players, which he should do. Um, he should play good in the you know 15 end of game snaps that they gave him. But I I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to just cut Quim Griffin when he does look really good on special teams and he's hurt right now. I think that Griffin's going to get the old IR treatment. Medical redshirt, fake injury. I think yep. so too because I I don't know if Burkirvin's a guy who's going to make it to the practice squad. And I think it's a guy that I really want on this team. I feel like between him and Barton, that's the future of this this group. And, and I, f- I think Calitro's going to get the old trade instead of cut. Okay. Calitro maybe for a seventh rounder. I think there's got to be teams interested in that. Cause he it's going like- to be for a seventh rounder or for the defensive tackle we just talked about. Or or, or, or the, how about this one? The conditional seventh. Exactly. Where, where Calitro has to, has to be on the roster in like five like games or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. Because Kalitra is the kind of guy that if you're a team, you know, don't have good depth at linebacker and your special teams kind of stinks, he's going to come in and kind of shore that up. He's going to be a, a depth He's a solid linebacker. body you can count on for yeah. a few games. And he's a good special teamer. Also, so, Michael Kendricks could be headed to prison. This is still a thing. Yeah, it and is something when you think about. That's, that's what sentencing is in week four? Yeah, and uh, uh, week I thought it was after week two. And that gives Barton a lot more value for our team because he's a guy who can back up that spot and so is Burkirvin. Yeah, you're going to want Burkirvin there. I or think... if Griffin gets stashed on the yes. pup list, he can come back these are, shortly after these that. These are, boom, three bodies you get immediately. Uh, yeah, maybe Jacob Martin will play there. Just kidding, guys. Okay, so <laughs> then uh, cornerback. Okay, we got to see. We got good looks at Jamar Taylor, Akeem King, um, Ugo Amadi. Um, Flowers and Shaq Griffin are... Set in stone. I Those are your starting just, outside line or you, outside corners. Yeah, I was gonna say you just na- nailed the five cornerback names. No, no I didn't because I did. I did not include. Oh, I, I thought you said I did Thorpe. not I'm include sorry. Nico Thorpe. And Nico Thorpe's making this team. I he he got another shot to play outside corner in this game. Looked fine, serviceable, um, good enough that they'll feel comfortable keeping him as their premier special teams captain and overall best human being. Um, so <laughs> I'll say flat out, my five are Griffin, Flowers, King, Thorpe, Amadi. Yeah, I don't. I. Jamar Taylor, Jamar gets, Taylor gets to run with so up and down. Gets to run with the ones, and then he does for every one thing he does that's really good. He does one thing that's really bad, and it makes me angry. So I don't, I don't know. He got a bad penalty in this game too, and it just, yep. I just cannot handle how all over the place that guy is. But he gets to run with the ones, so they're really giving him a shot to, to win I that think, job. I think they really like Taylor, and I also have Amadi as a safety, and why he's going to be a safety guy with it. Amadi, Amadi in this game was a straight up slot corner. They no, I know. I'm just saying, like for snap. for stack of who's making the team, I have him as a safety. I definitely have Amadi making this team, but I have Taylor making this team. Taylor, Thorpe, King, Griffin. So you're, so you're keeping six corners. Flowers, five Desha- corners. Deshaun Jett should hit the brick. Oh, you're cutting. You're cutting King. Oh yeah. Okay. So no, he has Amadi as a safety. So yeah. you're gonna cut. Uh, you're gonna keep so five his... safeties. You have ten ten defensive backs. Uh yeah yeah. Okay. Because um, Tedrick, Brad. Delano, Blair. Those are the four that are yeah, in. Yeah, those are four. And then um, let me the, go through the list. Luani has a chance to make the team, I think. I have Hill over Luani. Luani has... Okay, Luani, I think, has a chance. Hill, I, I feel like you're keeping for veteran presence. I feel like Hill was coming off of an injury. If you look when he got run, he played decent. Um, I didn't see him actively make any bad plays. Simeon Thomas got the only special teams tackle in this game, too. So it's like no one's really separated themselves with special but teams. Simeon Thomas looked awful in coverage. Well, Simeon he Thomas is bad. He's not making the team. Yeah. He's, he plays at the end of the game and doesn't even play good. Yeah, and Deshaun Shedd's <laughs> a guy who's going to 
uh, you know, thanks for your service. We'll pick you up if we have an injury. Shed, Shed, the thing that sucks about him is he can fill in at a, like, below, slightly below league average level all over the place, but he's just not good. Who was the corner we had uh, who slapped the ball a couple – The he started at opposite a couple years ago, Kevin. Damn it, I can't think Did of this guy. Maxwell? Yes. Like, he's that old – no. Not Vernon. Vernon. No, Byron, Byron, Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell. Sorry. Vernon, Vernon Maxwell is like Houston Rockets. That was a guard. Yeah. I was like, I was like <laughs> Vernon Maxwell. My mistake. I do love, Wrong Maxwell. I do love that era Rockets. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's that he's that guy you can bring in who will Yeah, but what about Sam? Great. What about Sam Cassell? No. Okay. So <laughs> so then. Um, alien. Sam Cassell. Yeah. I just. No Sharif Abdur. For me, for me, the kind of the roster picture is getting pretty clear. I don't think that there's a, there's a couple battles going on and there's a couple tough choices that the team's going to have to make. But, but we that's know, good because preseason game four doesn't tell you a lot? We need the we need, we know the guys that are on the bubble at this point. There's a lot of guys who are clearly kind of on the outs. And this team looks pretty deep at a lot of important positions, which I think is is making me a little excited. Like Akeem King, he filled in serviceably at outside corner. I think he was completely miscast when they tried to make, turn him into a nickel. When he's playing right cornerback, he looks fine. He looks like a solid, but if not, not spectacular. Yeah, a good game, corner. a solid game, and a trash game. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like, like a backup. If yeah. only we had steady corners that I totally believed in every single game. Or one. Just one. What I will say, though, is Griffin has been, like, bang average or better every I'd preseason little, game. Yeah, I'd see a little better. Trey, look, Trey, Trey good in this game. has been below average to average every single game. I mean, yes. And the, the, the Clippers, the Clippers started their backup quarterback, so it's it's hard to to know. But Tyrod Taylor is fucking good. Like that's like most. There's several teams in the NFL. That He's an NFL player. It's like worst, starting Case Keenum, worst quarterback. No, it's better than Case Keenum. Eh. This this guy. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor is good at football. I know you love Tyrod Taylor, um, but he's a journeyman for a reason. Yeah, but you have to remember he was one of the driving forces behind the playoff push for the Bills. Uh, Keenum was pulled along with the Vikings. Uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor was actively pulling the Bills along to the playoffs two yeah. years ago. T-Mobile, baby, let's go. This is this is. I know you guys love Tyrod. He's fine. So is Case Keenum. <laughs> One's but more athletic. I'm just saying it's not like we we faced like a like a no trash. no he's a, he's a fine quarterback. I'm just saying he's he's not Philip Rivers, but it's a good indicator. Bottom line is our cornerbacks are it's the same problem we had last year and possibly most likely the year before. It's consistency game in game out. What are we going to see from these guys? I can't say we're going to be okay. I think some games are going to be like wow, some one guy really showed up, the other guy didn't, and, and that's you, frustrating. Do you guys want a prediction for kick returners? Yeah, you guys, you guys are gonna love this. Do it. Tyler Lockett is gonna be our kick returner in the regular season, and he is going yeah. to fair catch so much. I hope so. <laughs> I would not be surprised. You're going to be very irritated by how often he just goes back there and puts his hand. It up. was like the year that Doug did that. He'll own, the only time he'll actually, Lockett. the only time he'll actually be returning is when we're like way behind or we really need a big play. Then he, the hand might not go up. I want him doing those reverse lunges every game. <laughs> keep him, keep him healthy. <laughs> nice to reverse lunge with Tigger. Yeah, you know? he's super healthy. Uh, he's, he's healthy uh, what I have important. to say about the corner is what we need is we want a C plus or better game out of Shaq Griffin every week and a C minus or better game out of oh. Flowers. And I think we're okay. I want to do better than that, but yeah. I, I kind but of I think if we can do that, I think we'll be all right. Okay. Because the other, I think thing, that's totally possible, Kevin. They're both pretty rangy. They are a pain in the butt in the red zone to try and catch a ball on. And that kind of plays into the whole bend but don't break thing that we've been doing. Another thing is people are people are worried because we're not finishing very many sacks in these preseason games. Don't sweat it. 
The Seahawks always find a way to get up to like 50, 60 sacks every year. It's, and it's, we don't have Ansa, and Ansa is going to be a big yeah, source of that. Ezekiel Ansa comes in, and all of a sudden this team's going to look, they're going to look gangbusters. Um, I think I, I posted, it was on Patreon, that someone asked me, like, hey, like, why aren't you guys more worried about about the uh, the Seahawks pass rush? So I, like, did some research, you know, and, and here's, here's what I came up with, okay? If Ziggy Ansa was on our team, like, the last, all of his career, he would have been the best pass rusher on the Seahawks, I think, four times, if or three times. And then, say, and if Barkevius Mingo was on a Seahawks' career, he would have been the best pass rusher on the Seahawks one time. Um, so, yeah, it's a little tough. It's it's a, it's a little um, it's a little scary to go into season because we haven't gotten to see it in the preseason. You haven't gotten to to view it, to gaze upon it with your with your eyes. But yeah, I'm I'm totally in it. What makes a great pass rush? is there's a level of relentlessness. What made it work really well with Bennett and Averill was that Averill applied constant pressure on his side. And so when Bennett was able to jump the snap count or overpower the tackle... Make Bruce Arians angry. But like Mingo and Ansa on third downs, I think can be a pretty good facsimile of what we had in Bennett and Averill. What I was saying is when you had two people that were effective then the quarterback couldn't just break out to the one side or the other. Or if they step up in the pocket, then Brandon Mabane was there to apply the interior pressure. That's the situation we're going to look at. Ansa is going to apply pressure from the outside. There's going to be pressure from the outside between Mingo and Martin. So it's going to be hard to just, like, a, a lot of quarterbacks are not going to be able to outrun those guys from the outside edge. And then we have guys in Woods, Puna Ford, and Jaron Reed who are able to stack and shed an interior offensive lineman and clean up a sack if the quarterback steps up into the pocket. And so when you're missing one of those elements, if you don't have Ansa to apply special pressure every once in a while, or if you don't have uh, Martin or Mingo to give that speed rush, or if you don't have those interior guys to finish off the sack, that's when your sack numbers go down. You get a lot of pressures, but they don't convert. When you have those when you are multiple in your ways of creating pressure, that's when sacks happen. Because as soon as the offensive line starts to break down in one spot, it's like trying to put your fingers in the hole in a dam. Eventually, water's just coming out in a lot of other places. So when one of those guys starts to get pressure, because you have pressure happening in multiple spots, that's when the line can't block everybody and you start getting finished sacks. So, all right. Um, I think that that about covers everything we wanted to cover with the uh, the preseason game. Um, let's go really quick. I'm watching. I'm watching next week. Can Shaq Griffin, Shaquem Griffin, get on the field, play some special teams, impress the brass, secure his roster spot? Um, where does the team? Uh, how does the team rotate the defensive line? Um, what wide receivers are given a shot to win that last spot, like the Reynolds versus uh, you know Jazz Ferguson battle, and uh, not Reynolds. Ursua. Jennings. Jennings and, and Ferguson. Jennings, Ferguson, Ursua. Yeah. I think Ursua's in. Ursua I think so too, but they're still going to play him. I want to see that. If that guy's going to pop in as the slot receiver. Remember, we drafted Jennings thinking he would be the slot guy. Pro size versus McKissick, something I'm going to watch. How those backup defense, our offensive linemen shake out, because I think that'll give us a big clue as to what they think of all those guys. If they just continue to play Martin at right tackle and let him get buried... Yeah, they're probably cutting him. <laughs> but if they give him a shot to play guard and, and really show what he has, then they're giving him a real chance. Linebackers also. Yep. Linebacker. Martin, Burkirvan, Mingo. 
Calitro. All right. Well, uh, that, tight ends. How does Hollister get used? Yeah, Hollister's usage is also pretty interesting. Okay. And then quarterbacks is, are uh, Smith and Lynch are each getting a half. No, they're doing it like that. I'm betting. You don't think they JT, haven't announced it? JT Barrett gets six minutes. Nope. JT, maybe, maybe he gets a couple drives at the end. JT Barrett gets a hug from Pete Carroll on his way out the door. Uh, JT Barrett <laughs> gets a free pair of old man sneakers from uh, Pete Carroll on the way out. All right, he'll so be playing fullback for three plays. Seahawks Nest fans, you'll be excited to know that our picks podcast will start up on Patreon next week. Um, we'll be picking every game of every team for the whole season on that podcast every week. Also making lots of jokes about the goings-on in the uh, entire NFL as opposed to just the Seahawks. Um, you could be like Jonah and Mark, sign up new. Or you can be like Forrest, Richard, James, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Flocktimus, Keith, Frank, Michelle, Brian, and Nick. And just, you know, be signed up for quite some time. So, yeah, I'm a... You can also get right in the group chat, and the group chat has a lot of cool things. You know, it has me, Kevin, and Eric talking about normal football-related things, and Brett posting selfies with the Facebook filter. So whatever you're into, you can find it there. And don't forget the inevitable meltdown. Yeah, oh, Brett meltdowns. It's happening. Right now, right now you're just getting the face filters because everything's fine. Everything's fine. The Seahawks haven't been playing right now. It's not scary yet. Um, okay, the movie club today. Labor Day weekend is a wasteland as far as new releases go. Studios are terrified to release in this weekend. The highest grossing movie of all time is 2007's Halloween remake, making $30 million. What many people consider the best movie to come out on this weekend is probably Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the uh, Cameron Crowe written teen coming-of-age film. So I challenged Kevin and Eric to each pick one film that released on Labor Day weekend, the film Wasteland, and tell me why people should watch it. Why is it good? Why is it good? Why is it? Why is it dece? Uh, Eric, lead us to off. Start, huh? Well, uh, you may think I'm going to pick the Nicolas Cage, The Wicker Man remake. I thought you were going to pick The Illusionist, but I will not. The I Illusionist, 1994's Ed Paul, Harris, Paul and Giamatti. The Melody Illusionist, uh, also known as Not the Prestige. Yeah, Neil Berger. Neil Berger. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go with the 1998 hit, as I just put my phone down with the movie information. I'm just totally guessing at this point. Uh, Christopher Walken, supernatural thriller, The Prophecy. This is a story of uh, angels coming to Earth to battle uh, demonic angels, not demons, just angels in Satan's service. Uh, that, that angel being Gabriel, uh, played by Christopher Walken, and they're looking for a... An evil soul. This is I can't believe I'm explaining this damn movie. They're looking for an evil soul that will lead the <laughs> armies of hell. All the moments of your life led to this moment. Yeah, that's uh, you know, <laughs> mom's spaghetti. I've never seen this movie, so oh, you haven't. You okay, haven't? No. Uh, you're in for a mediocre treat. There, I will say that this movie starts kind of strong and then dies, and then at the end, Vigil Morgenstein for you, it's always sunny, fans, uh, appears as the devil. Anyway, they're looking for a hole to kind of uh, almost comes around. Uh, almost. They're looking uh, for a, a soul to uh, lead the the army of hell against heaven, and it's uh, some terrible war criminal um, who hit out in this small town. I would say it's a yes, no, no, yes, no scenario in this movie. Absolutely. Or maybe two yeses, a no, a yes, and then a no. Uh, it has Eric Stoltz as a good angel for a little bit, and yes, he looks like Jesus. There's and... some weird action set pieces in this movie. There's all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, there's not a lot of star power. It's Christopher Walken who 
Everyone loves, but I wouldn't say he's a superstar leading man actor. It has Elias Cotillas, also known as uh, Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, Eric Stoltz is in it for a bit. Uh, beyond that, I think you have Virginia Madsen, who no one knows who that is until you Google her and you'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen her before. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's this movie. I looked through the list and I was like, oh hey, if I can't pick Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I'll go with the prophecy that I remember in the late 90s thinking like, Oh, that was kind of interesting. Uh, if you do, if you don't think you've seen the prophecy, but you watched a lot of Sci-Fi Channel in the mid two thousands, you saw the prophecy. Yeah, uh, it, there's uh, my favorite scene. I'll just go into this real quick. Uh, there's a few scenes in this movie I like, but it's uh, Christopher Walken, of course, plays an angel, and he brings one of heaven's trumpets uh, to these children playing in a playground. He's trying to get information out of them, and he has one of the kids blown to the trumpet. And it breaks the windows of the school. Yeah. And the teacher, you know, shoes the kids away from him in typical Christopher Walken fan, uh, fashion says, remember, kids, math, it's the key to the universe. Because it was the trumpet of Jericho. Yeah. Broke down the walls. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, right. Kevin. Uh, Since because they had to shoehorn as much symbolism <laughs> as they could into that freaking movie. <laughs> I loved watching it right after Dog Soldiers in nineteen uh, in two thousand seven. Been two months since we right. brought up Dog Kevin, Soldiers. Kevin, so I think you're going to pick a movie that's actually good. Can I do my? I'm going to do By my movie next. Um, my movie is not good, but it's sweet. Um, from the it's director, fun. from the director of recent uh, classic Mom and Dad. I know Eric loved that movie uh, with Nicolas yes. Cage. Yeah, it was uh, fun. Two thousand six. That his his directorial debut debut with Neville Down and Taylor, the, the directing partners. They came out. With Jason Statham playing Chev Chelios in Crank. <laughs> That's the worst name. Labor Day weekend 2006, dude. This movie, wow. This movie, this movie is so sweet, but not good. Here, let me give you. Want to know why? How I know it's good? This IMDb rating is 6.9 out of 10. So the the <laughs> this movie it it's so stupid. So Chev Chelios gets injected with a drug. The drug slows down your adrenaline and eventually kills you. So what do you have to do? Just crazy shit to keep your adrenaline pumping. So like he does, he does all this wild stuff. Like and tries to pick fight with people, has sex in public with his girlfriend. Just like the dumbest stuff you can do to Does keep the adrenaline going. I think that was in Crank Two. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, well. Crank, crank gotta, Two High Voltage. Guys, Correct. you gotta you gotta save something for the sequel. Um. So <laughs> they, and they do set up the sequel too. But what I like about this movie, it's <laughs> it's exactly what you expect. It is like high action. It's 88 minutes long. does not overstay its welcome. It just does what it's there to do. Chev Chelios kills some people, does some crazy stuff to keep his adrenaline going, and has like a kind of a convoluted like hitman mob boss plot. Uh, I would give this movie solid like 7 out of 10. It's, it's, it's really interesting, fun. Uh, you, you know, if you like action movies and you haven't watched this yet, watch Hardcore Henry first. Then watch this movie. Uh, Ooh, I'd suggest doing it in the opposite order. Otherwise, you'd just be disappointed. No, this movie's fine. It's watch worse Crank than Hardcore and Henry. Then watch Hardcore Henry, and you be and you're just like Hardcore Henry. Yeah, but does Hardcore Henry have Dwight Yoakam in it? I don't care. Dwight no, Yoakam? no, no. He's not in that movie. Dwight Yoakam is sweet, dude. Besides Hardcore Henry, every role is played by Charlotte Copley. We know that. Come on. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Charlotte Copley's pretty sweet. Uh, right. Can but, I just before you? Uh, before Kevin goes any, I have one more. I have one yeah. more crank fact before you please, guys. Please, please do. By okay, crank fact. You ready? They originally wrote this role with the intention to sign Johnny Knoxville in the lead role. <laughs> oh no! Wow, isn't that great? And here I thought it was intentional to have Jason Statham because it was in the "We're going to pretend Jason Statham is a leading and, man" and, and, uh, era of. Acting. And let me uh, <laughs> let me also tell you about Crank High Voltage for just a second, Kevin. 
which is a tight 96 and also not as bad as people make it out to be. Pretty fun movie. Same, basically the same movie, but the plot's a little different. Instead of having a uh, injected that he has to keep his adrenaline going, Chev Chelios has been given an artificial heart, which he must yes. keep charged with electricity to keep wow. going. So he's like, got to keep shocking himself with things or like, poor, throwing I'm, a toaster in a bathtub so he can keep alive. When is poor Chev going to be able to relax? Yeah, That's uh, the worst name. Before you to, go any, uh, into your movie, Kevin, I, I want to say that. I all Chev Chelios is out there listening. <laughs> to Chevy Chase. Uh, I'll say I don't that apologize for that, Dick. These, these movies are all sorts of movies you would scroll past on Netflix. Yes. It's 100% that list. Yeah, if you look at the list of like Jeepers movies Jeepers that were placed one, on... Two, the Illusionist. On, yeah, it's, it's like movies Fear. that... Com. You see them on Amazon Prime and you're like, eh, maybe not. Like, oh, Vanity Fair, I remember that. I remember seeing that trailer, scroll. It's the scroll. one that you put on your watch list on Amazon, and then when you're actually <laughs> watching a movie, you're going to go watch a movie, you're like... Not today. No, not well, not hey, ever. So if they if they made Crank 3D, would you guys go see it? That's my question for you. If we see it as a yes, podcast, just because sure. it'd be so dumb. Hell yeah, Crank 3D. That's the so kind cool. of movie you pre-funk. <laughs> they, yeah, they're like concerned. It, they they haven't made it yet because they said they're concerned it won't make any money and people have too high of expectations, which is not how you want to go into a Crank movie. Nope. You want to go in with rock bottom expectations because you will be surprisingly entertained because yes. the movies are not as bad as you think they're going to be. Okay, Kevin, give All us right. an actual good movie because I think I know, I'm 100% know what you're going to pick. Yep, I'm going with a movie that I think both Nathan and I would put in our top 10 for the year that it came out, and that is 2018's Searching. Yeah. It's a cool movie. Uh, Searching is a movie that appears at the beginning to be kind of a one-trick pony. The way that the movie shot is you are constantly viewing interfaces with electronics. So it's like the camera is showing you like you're almost in share screen on a computer or you're seeing what's happening on a phone screen or you're watching videos or webcams. And there's only one time it's really convoluted how they set it up to get... Yeah, it gets shoehorned once, but I get it, but it was... It was it was not my favorite scene. Yeah, but there's like they use like GoPros and drones to pretend they're like police uh, or like police or uh, or news helicopters and stuff like that. They like used it like really cleverly. Like everything is from an electronic camera point of view. Yeah, it's, it's just like a found really footage, but way of it's doing like found it. footage, but not. Yes, it's it's like it's almost like a fake documentary. Uh huh. It's kind of straddles the line between that and found footage, and so the premise of the movie is that. Uh, it opens up giving you a quick montage through um, home video of the life of Pamela Kim, uh, played by Sarah Son, who is the daughter of uh, John Cho's David Kim. And this is all about uh, David Kim, John Cho, looking for his daughter and trying to piece together what has happened with her by delving into her social media. And she is a, I want to say a high school senior or a recent graduate. Yeah, something like that. Uh, she is in that like young adulthood general vicinity. And he's realizing kind of like how he's grown out of touch with her as he's trying to figure out what happened to her. It's got some genuinely funny moments, some genuinely sad moments. Um, I feel like it plays several of the psychological thriller notes very well. And it is a pretty tight 100 minutes and does a really good job of keeping its pacing going. There's a few things where you're going, mm, okay, I'll, I'll excuse that. There's a few spots where the plot's just a little bit too easy. 
but I'm willing to forgive it for all the bold choices it makes in um, the cinematography and art direction. I just think this was a really enjoyable movie. It's a cool watching experience. If you're somebody who gets tired of seeing the same thing over and over on film, this is something that does something different and reward it by giving it a little bit of your time. I thought it was a very good movie. And then let me uh, tell you guys something interesting. This movie was filmed for $800,000 and made like $75 million. So smashing success there. They really make that much. Yeah. They, they okayed it. Yeah, for a, it had like 39 million in international money or something like that. They they've okayed it for a sequel, but all that they're taking from the first movie is the style of storytelling. They're they're They want to tell another tech. They call it a technology based thriller. That's smart. So, uh, you know, it'll be a similar thing, but not, not exactly the same. Here's the thing. Which is good because those movies, characters had been exhausted. Other movies had tried the searching gimmick before searching. Uh, Unfriended and Unfriended Dark Web are good examples of that. This movie was way better than those because Unfriended kind of all was in the context of this one like Skype chat. And this movie kind of took it to another level of like cleverness that, that those movies did not reach. That's why I think if you just think like, hey, this is kind of like that movie Unfriended and it's going to be stupid. Give it a shot. It's much better and much more clever than you think it's going to be. And John Cho acts his butt off in this movie because yeah. there's a lot of scenes that he has to just carry and he really pulls it off. Like this would have been kind of hard to act because it's a lot of him interacting with nothing. Okay. Any uh, Anything else before we head, head home? Uh, this list has uh, other movies include the uh, Halloween remake from 2007. Not it's, good. Uh, one of my favorites that I do actually could like the only David Lynch movie, uh, which is uh, admittedly a Nicolas Cage movie, um, Wild at Heart. And let's not forget Machete is on this list, uh, which also, everyone loved. Quick plug. I never if saw. If you like mid-90s cheese, I will put a plug for Milk Money. It is a movie about a young teen who saves up money from uh, like various odd jobs and other things in order to hire a prostitute. Um, originally to hook her with a heart of gold, Kevin. I believe originally to lose his virginity, if I remember, or something along those lines, and then somehow ends up deciding to try and set her up with his dad, Ed Harris, instead. Um, this is a confusing movie uh, that is not well thought out and kind of trash. I recommend it. If you want to turn your brain off for a minute, another movie they released on Labor Day that doesn't completely suck, Balls of Fury. Um, you gotta want to turn your brain off though, because it is it is. Dumb. This movie is high shenanigans. It's just like it's stupid. It's Thomas Lennon, so you know it's gonna be like just ridiculous. All right, um, let's go home. So for Eric Ronnebeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you guys next week and go Hawks. Two dancing shoes and my friends with me.